Hello, my name is Nate Huss, and thank you so much for joining us. We are Restoration Church, and this week we have week five of our Forgiveness Practice Series, and Ron Merrill is bringing the word. Thank you. You guys, if you have your Bible, um, open up to the book of Matthew and go to chapter five. Matthew chapter five, because by the time that we get there, then you'll be all ready uh, to go. Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be uh, today. Um, like Landon said, if you haven't been with us for the last several weeks, we're in a series on forgiveness. Uh, but it's also a, a practice. So uh, a handful of times a year, Restoration Church stops and really focuses on a particular practice of the Christian life. And this one has been on forgiveness. And so we're practicing the way of Jesus with regard to forgiveness. Now, that's a, a not an easy one. By this point, we've defined forgiveness. Uh, we've talked about why Jesus forgives, why God forgives. We've also talked an awful lot about um, the call as followers of Jesus to be quick to forgive other people. But as we wrap up today, I want to talk about what it looks like uh, for you and I to ask for forgiveness from other people? What's it look like for you and I to seek the forgiveness of someone else and why that's really, really uh, important? Anybody ever do anything dumb before? Okay, good. Good, I'm in good company then. Um, you know, I've, I've screamed, I screamed at a deaf person once because I didn't believe she was deaf. That was dumb. <laughs> Needed to ask forgiveness for that. Um, I, I, years ago, I got a, uh, a text message from a, a kid that had been in my youth group years before. He texted me and said, I just wanted to tell you I love you. And at the moment, it, it you know, really warmed my heart. But I'm a guy, so I can't reply back like how much that meant to me. So I texted Anna, my wife. Carson said he loved me. Carson loves me. Can you believe that Carson loves me? I hit send only to realize I'd actually sent that message back to Carson. And then I had to call him up. I'm so sorry. I'm not weird. Well, maybe I am weird, but I'm not a creeper. Well, you know, I just hung up. You know, so we, we do dumb stuff all the time with people. But it's one thing to do something dumb, do something a little bit goofy, it's an entirely different thing when we have actually hurt somebody else. It's an entirely different thing when we have sinned against someone else, and that's brought harm and hurt, uh, not just to the relationship, but maybe even to uh, their heart. Maybe it landed in a way that affected a week or two for them. Maybe it landed in a way that it really affected months and months, a whole season of their life, took a turn as a result of the heart that you or I caused in their journey. What does that, what does that mean for us? You know, we need the forgiveness of God. And we do need to be people who forgive others. But we also need to be really proactive in seeking the forgiveness of other people that we've hurt. We need to be the people who are proactive in asking forgiveness, to borrow from recovery language, to make amends with people when we have hurt them. Now, there's a couple issues that come into play when we talk about seeking forgiveness from other people. A couple issues. One of the issues uh, really plays to our advantage. 
Another one of the issues when we talk about this is it actually becomes a challenge for us. The first issue, when we talk about seeking forgiveness, just to put on your radar to remember, is that God has a tremendously high value on restoring broken relationships. He's got a real high value on relationships in general, doesn't he? I mean, when you look at uh, himself, God himself in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is a relationship of persons. God really values relationship. But he values restoring broken relationships. In fact, I would say that's really the message of the gospel. I would say that's the message of the scriptures from beginning to end is a message of restoration. He's restoring the earth. He's restoring his creation. He's restoring relationships that have been broken. You don't have to look any further than Jesus himself to see the value that God has on restoring broken relationships that he would send his one and only son to fix the relationship that we couldn't fix. He, he came and took care of it for us. That's huge. And, and so we should keep that in mind because if that's a value to God, then it should be a value to us as his people as well, right? The second issue at play when we talk about Asking for forgiveness from others, though, is that we are probably more likely to remember the hurt that was done to us than remember the hurt that we did to somebody else. And that makes it really difficult because I look back on my journey, on my life. You can think back on your journey in your life and it probably doesn't take too long to remember the times that you got hurt. Somebody hurt you. But it can often be challenging to recall all the times that you hurt somebody else. You may not even have known it at the time when you did it. And so then that complicates the matter when it comes to asking for forgiveness or trying to make amends if, oh, you just ignore it or you forgot it or you didn't even know you did it in the first place. That can be a real challenge to all of this. And yet the call is, I think as believers, to let the overflow of the work of what God has done in our hearts make its way outward. And God is, if nothing else, a great restorer of relationships. And if I've hurt someone, sinned against someone, then I should be proactive and quick to say sorry, quick to ask for forgiveness and make amends. Uh, look at Matthew chapter five. Go to... Uh, Go to verse 21, if you have your Bible there. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. I'm going to read through these words of Jesus, then we're going to double back and unpack a little bit of what he says, especially in the middle. Verse 21. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, Everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, fool, 
will be subject to the Sanhedrin, but whoever says, you moron, I love that that's in the Bible, will be subject to hellfire. Look at verse 23. So if you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. 25, reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him. Or your adversary will hand you over to the judge, the judge the officer, and you'll be thrown into prison. I assure you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Okay, this is from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Excerpts of this, if not in its entirety, he probably preached more than once. But these are powerful words of Jesus. And in this message, he's he's painting a picture of what the kingdom of God is going to look like. And more specifically, he's painting the picture of what people who belong to the kingdom of God should look like. And, and he, in this particular portion of the message, what, what he's driving at starts with this line, you've heard that it was said, but I tell you. You've heard that it was said, but I say to you. And Pastor Landon talked about this recently. It was a great kind of teaching tool of Jesus to say, hey, you're familiar with uh, what the culture has to say about this particular issue. You're familiar with those people say about it. But here's what I say. And that's just a good reminder that we should always be listening to Jesus more than our culture, Jesus more than to other people, right? But, but it wasn't just about culture because in this particular section, section Jesus is saying, um, you have heard that it was said, and here's what I tell you, with regard to the Old Testament, So Jesus is bringing some clarity to some understanding or maybe some misunderstanding about things that they had come to believe about what the scriptures had to say. We should be good scholars of what the scriptures had to say. Jesus isn't refuting or combating the Old Testament. He's validating and basically coming and saying, I'm fulfilling everything that the Old Testament had to say. And if anything, I want to help you connect the dots. Because sometimes the Old Testament can be confusing. Now I'm going to kind of make sense of it or round out the fullness of what God's really been saying all along. And what is key throughout Scripture from God's perspective. When it comes to the kingdom of God, hatred has no place In the kingdom of God, hatred should have no place amongst the people of God. The only type of hatred, the only time of hate that is appropriate for the people of God is a hatred toward evil or sin or injustice or oppression. If we hate the thing God hates, then that's okay. Any other hatred has no place whatsoever. And right here, what Jesus is talking about is not 
righteous anger or hate. He's talking about unhealthy anger that can make its way to murder, unhealthy anger that can make its way to lashing out in some sort of action, unhealthy anger that changes the way that we talk to people. He's saying unhealthy anger doesn't have any place with God's people and in God's kingdom. It doesn't. He's he's talking specifically that um, there's moments where you and I do have some unhealthy anger and uh, it's directed at brothers. And he's not talking about family. He's talking about the family of God. There's moments where we have anger and we realize that that anger has been directed at a brother or sister in Christ. Or there's moments where we recognize that that anger has made its way out toward an adversary. That may or may not be a believer. But the same principle is there. Unhealthy anger doesn't have a place. And if you get to a moment where that anger that's been in here has made its way out and you're the one to blame, you've sinned against someone, you've hurt someone, and now they've got something against you as a result of that, then you and I have a responsibility. If we realize we have hurt somebody, sinned against somebody, and that anger has made its way out in some way, shape, or form, and it's brought harm on somebody else, we've got a job to do. Look back at verse 23 and 4, what Jesus says. Jesus says, So, If you're offering your gift on the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. What Jesus is just hammering home so hugely is that relationships trump religious activity all day long. Especially restoring broken relationships. That trumps religious activity all day long. In fact, if anything, our religious duty and religious behavior and religious activity should reinforce a value that you and I have on relationships being good and healthy. When we come around worship together, We come around his word together that that should produce a value that God has with regard to relationships. That's key. There's this call for us to be healing agents. Let him use me to bring healing to somebody else. Both here, when when you go into the altar and then you remember, imagine traveling all the way to the temple in Jerusalem to worship and you bring your offering and you get to the altar. You've had to travel far and you're just about to present your gift and then you remember, God brings to mind, I think I've hurt somebody. What I did a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, yesterday... I know I sinned against them. Well, what Jesus is saying is stop and go make the relationship right. Go say sorry. Go make amends. Go seek forgiveness. 
first and then come back. This thing with the adversary on the way to see the judge, he says, handle it quickly. When we know that we have hurt someone, sinned against someone, then what the call from Jesus is, handle it quickly. Because the longer you wait to make amends, seek forgiveness, ask for forgiveness, say sorry, the more time that it gives the enemy to let that bring damage to the other person and damage to you. The longer you wait only leads to more pain. And so handle this quickly as a follower of Jesus. Be quick to say sorry. Be quick to make amends in in this regard. And he's giving a priority again. You come in here and you're ready to give your offering and you remember, my goodness, my life doesn't match the way that I'm learning even or worshiping. He gives a priority to Go be reconciled. Go do what you can to be reconciled to someone that you might have hurt. Now hang on to that for a moment. As I say that, there's more to it there. But God's heart is to restore relationships. He values that hugely. Hang on, though, because there's more to say uh, about that. You know, when it comes to... When it comes to being a follower of Jesus, you know, right, that there's been a massive shift that took place in your life. When you said yes to Jesus, there's a massive change that takes place in your identity, in who you are. And among the many changes, one of the major shifts is that you and I went from being hurt people to being healed people. That's beautiful. We were all hurt people pre-Jesus because of our sin, because of our disobedience, because of this broken world. We all have been hurt and we have all hurt other people. But because of what Jesus did for us, he, he healed us. He rescued us from that sin. And then he goes in and replaces our heart with a brand new one. He heals up that which the enemy stole, that which the enemy broke. We move from being hurt people to healed people. But then there's a continuing maturity step, more growth that Jesus has in mind for his people and for his kingdom. And that's not just that you and I would go from being a hurt person to a healed person, but his desire is that we would go from being people who hurt other people to being people who heal other people. What a privilege as the people of God to be known as healed people who now help bring healing to other people. You know that's such a core component of who Jesus is, how he operates, what he values. That should be core to me and you as well. And that's why this issue of forgiveness in general on both sides is so key and so important. That rather than letting the enemy separate and bring pain and hurt... 
the love, the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of Jesus and the proactive nature of his people to be quick to be agents of healing, why, that's so huge. That's so key for me and you. I, I, um, in way back in elementary school, I still remember the, the school bully, Shane Loger. <laughs> Shane Loger. And he had a little henchman named Daniel Lingle. I still remember it. I still remember things that Shane and Daniel said to me, I, I still remember things that they did to my friends. I had a friend named Casey that was a little heavy set in elementary school. And I remember Shane bullying him and beating Casey up. I remember trying to speak up for my friend Casey and getting hurt by Shane. And then later I broke Daniel Lingle's nose under a bleacher at a football game. This is a side story. I asked for forgiveness later. But I still remember Shane. And, and I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of kids for so long, myself included, that were terrified by that kid. Through elementary and through junior high. Shane Loger. You know what Shane Loger's occupation is today? Pastor. <laughs> Pastor. See, the, the, the one who had lived years and years and years pre-Jesus as a hurter of people, now, vocationally and by identity in Christ as a child of God is a healer of people. I mean, that's what God can do. Now, I'll be real honest. I know that that's taken place in Shane's life, and I thank God for it. There are days, even still, where I have a hard time reconciling that personally. Because there's dozens and dozens of kids, myself included, who he hurt, and he's never come to me and asked her forgiveness. And I think, well, what in the world? Like, I wasn't a, I wasn't a bully. And, I, you know, I, he just hurt people constantly. And it's just hard sometimes to go, how, how in the world does that work? There's been a lot of years and a lot of distance. I don't know where Shane is in particular right now. He certainly wouldn't know how to get to me. But when I stop and think about it personally, I, I don't even know. In my own heart of hearts, I don't even know how many people I've hurt. I don't know how many people I sinned against. I wasn't the school bully, but that doesn't mean I didn't hurt people along the way. But I can think of a couple. I can think of a couple moments and a couple people. And so what's incumbent upon me is to go to them and make amends, to acknowledge, hey, I know I hurt you, and ask, seek their forgiveness. I think if we do that, one of two things is going to happen, and maybe both. If we ask forgiveness of somebody else, one, 
it will show that Jesus has actually changed us. If, if I go and humble myself and seek the forgiveness of somebody else, if Shane did that to me, if he sought me out, especially years ago, before I knew Jesus, but after he had beat me and my friends up, and he had come and he'd asked her for my forgiveness, I would have gone, what happened to you? How are you so different? What happened in between? And he'd have the blessing of saying, Jesus is what happened in between. Jesus healed some hurt in my life. And now I'm privileged to Love like he loved and bring healing as I have opportunity. And I just wanted to let you know, I'm sorry for what I, I mean, that would have changed so much as a little guy. Forget that. That would, that would change a whole lot right now. You, you can think of some people, I'm sure, that have hurt you. And can you imagine what that would feel like just to hear those words from that person that hurt you? I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? That would be healing in and of itself. And so flip that around, knowing that you've hurt or damaged somebody else to be proactive and bring the relief and the healing that you know you want in your own heart, in your own life. As you have opportunity, let Jesus motivate you in that way if there's somebody that's coming to mind. And be quick to, to say sorry. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, the guy that kind of had taken advantage of people, even his own people, getting rich off his own people, Jesus has an interaction with, and Jesus rescues Zacchaeus. And what's the overflow in Zacchaeus' life? Zacchaeus realized he's healed, he's freed, he's forgiven. And now, what did he do? He says, now I'm going to go make amends. I'm going to go make it right with everybody that I've been taking advantage of. See, that's what happens. The love of Jesus comes in, the mercy, the grace, all of that forgiveness that he extends to us. It can't help but make its way out of us. I know that uh, there's a ton of you in here that might have been real train wrecks before you came to Jesus, before he rescued you. And you can't even remember how many people you hurt. You can't access them. You maybe weren't aware of it at the time, and now you are. Okay. Hey, please hear me on this first and foremost. If that's you... All of us were train wrecks. If that was you, and you've said yes to Jesus, hear me out on this. Every single one of you, you are forgiven, and you are freed. That's true about you. That's really worth celebrating. You don't need to keep beating yourself up or heaping condemnation on you. Jesus has taken care of all that. But now what's appropriate as a follower of his 
is to go ask or seek forgiveness for a couple of people that he is bringing to mind. That would be key. God can use that. He loves to flood through those moments. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, and then we're done. Romans chapter 12, the entire chapter is so rich. Read it this week. But Romans chapter 12, verse 18, remember I said there's a little bit more to say about the relationships that we've got with one another. Because here's what's key. Listen to this. It takes one person to forgive. It takes two people for reconciliation. Okay? You can always forgive and release them over to the Lord, and and the relationship may never exist again. It might not be appropriate for that to be the case. And yet, does God have an extremely high value on restoring broken relationships? Yes. But does forgiveness always lead to reconciliation? No. And that's what I love about this verse. Romans 12, 18 says, if it is possible, on your part, live at peace with everybody. That's a good word, right? If it's possible, another translation says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Okay, there's the value God has to live at peace with everybody, value peace, value uh, restored relationships. God loves that. He did that for me and you. But I love the qualifiers that Paul gives at the beginning of this. He gives two. If it's possible, live at peace with everybody. If it's possible. Why did he say that? Because sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it's not possible to live at peace with somebody. Even if you do your part. Because they don't want to do their part. Or sometimes it's not possible because it's been too long or they live too far away. You wouldn't even know how to track down or it might cause more harm than good if you did. Sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes it would be incredibly unwise or unsafe for you to get back into a relationship with that person. And you can pray that God would uh, do something with regard to healing them, maybe if you were the one that brought the harm. Or you can certainly forgive them from afar. If it's possible, sometimes it's not always possible. And then I love on your part. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody because it doesn't always depend on you, does it? You know, in any given situation, there's your job, there's God's job, and then there's their job. Don't confuse those three or you'll be tangled up in knots forever. When it comes to seeking forgiveness, your job is humble yourself, go ask for forgiveness, and release the outcome to God. That's your job. Humble yourself. Go ask for forgiveness. And then release the outcome to God. That's your job. God's job is to change their heart. You can't change a heart. I can't change a heart, right? That's only God can do that. Their job 
is to receive your request and extend forgiveness. Listen to me. They may not do it. They may not offer back the forgiveness that you asked for. That's not your concern. That's not your job. Your job was humble yourself, ask for forgiveness, release the outcome to him. That's all you can do. Now, if God chooses to flood through that moment and reconcile, fantastic. If he doesn't, you have been obedient and faithful. You've done your job. Now let God do his job with that person. Make sense? It's kind of like this. There was a kid that, growing up, he had a real temper problem. And every single time his temper would well up, he'd lash out, usually at his parents. And they got sick of it. So they said, okay, we're done with this. We're tired of the mean and the nasty and the words. So now what we're going to ask you to do is this. Every single time that you lose your temper, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask that you take a long walk out the back of our property to that split rail wood fence that lines the back of our property. And we're going to ask that you take that long walk and hammer a nail into the fence every single time that you lose your temper. Take the walk. Hammer the nail in the fence and then come on back. All right, I don't want to do that, but you're going to make me do it. He lash out. All right, go for the fence, buddy. Take the hammer and nail. And he'd take the long walk, and they were hoping he'd cool down, you know, on the long walk and hammers the nail in. Over the next, like, couple months, every single time he lost the temper, he took the walk, hammered the nail in the fence, comes on back. After a couple of months, the entire split rail fence was filled with nails. It tells you about his temper problem. Pretty soon he decided in his own heart, this isn't worth my time. I'm tired of taking the walk. I'm tired of hammering the nail. Maybe I should work on my temper. And so he started to hold his temper. He started to, uh, to think differently about the situation and to uh, make different choices with regard to what words were going to come out of his mouth. And over a little bit of time, he goes, Mom, Dad, have you noticed the last week or two? Like, I haven't really been lashing out, and I've been holding my temper a whole lot better. Have you noticed? Yes, we've noticed. We're so thankful for that. He said, cool, can I stop doing this then? They said, no. Here's what we're going to have you do. Now, every time that you hold your temper, we want you to walk out, take the walk across our property, and when you get to the spit rail fence, I want you to remove a nail from the fence. And so over the next couple of months, every single time he held his temper, held his tongue, he'd take a walk out and remove a nail from that fence. A couple of months of that, he came running across the property with the nail in his hand, burst in the kitchen to his mom and dad. And he said, Mom, Dad, look, this is the last nail. For a couple of months now, I have held my temper for a couple months. I have not lashed out for a couple of months. And now I have removed every single nail that was in that split rail fence. Aren't you proud of me? The mom and dad said, we are so proud of you. We're so thankful for what God's doing in your heart and God's doing in your life. That is fantastic. Good job, son. And he was happy. And then the dad said, but you realize, right, that 
that fence out there, it's never going to be the same again. Hang with me for a second. You and I have driven nails into other people's lives, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. We've all hurt other people. We've all driven the nails in with actions, with words, with whatever. We are all, as followers of Jesus, you got a relationship with him. Hear me, Jesus isn't holding that against you anymore. You are forgiven and you are freed. And just as that fence absorbs some nails, so did the hands of Jesus to extend forgiveness to people that he cares so much about. That's true. What I believe wholeheartedly in some way, shape, or form, though, is that asking forgiveness from others is kind of like removing the nails from the fence. It, it, it's, it's bringing some relief. And the first step of healing to somebody. Because when you ask for forgiveness, it shows that Jesus has been at work in your life, but the second thing that it can do is it might actually heal the broken relationship or it might just be healing for their heart if the relationship isn't salvageable. And wouldn't that be cool? If you proactively were used by God to bring some relief and some healing, the start of healing to somebody else's life by saying, hey, I hurt you, I sinned against you, and I'm sorry. It's like pulling a nail out of that fence. God can use you to that end. Last thought, though. I don't buy it for one second, though, that that fence will never be the same. In a spiritual sense, in an emotional sense, in what God can do, because when we ask for forgiveness and we remove the nail, what I know to be true is that God loves to fill up holes in people's lives. God loves to fill up holes with grace and mercy and forgiveness, his love. That's what he does. And so in some small part, if I can be used by him and obedient to him in seeking forgiveness, making amends, and that's just the removal of the nail. And that allows the healing of God to go to work in them. Fantastic. People of God, we should be known for this. Quick to forgive and quick to say sorry. And so some of us today maybe need to leave today and make a phone call. We need to make an appointment. We need to sit down for coffee. We need to write a letter and take that step. We're praying for you that maybe God would prompt you to that end. Others of you that have been on this journey so far in forgiveness, and we'll just be praying that God would allow you to extend forgiveness to the people that have hurt you, and that somehow in between, the enemy would not keep driving nails into the lives of people, but rather God would be using 
all aspects of forgiveness and our part in it to bring healing and restoration because he loves that. And so gracious heavenly father, thank you. Thank you that you care so much for us that your nail scarred hands absorbed so much for us. Thank you that you were proactive in pursuing us. You never sinned against us, but you pursued us. You were proactive in coming after us to restore a broken relationship. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. Give us the courage, the wisdom, the right words at the right time or a discernment about whether we just need to leave that person, that relationship to you and not re-engage it. We're thankful that we can still do our part and leave the rest to you. So we'll just kind of humble ourselves here before you, acknowledge that we need you every single step of the way, every single day, good times and bad. We love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes our fifth week and the final week of our forgiveness practice. And if you're just tuning in, if this is your first time, um, I just want to invite you or encourage you to go back and listen back through um, the series. And um, yeah, maybe for you, there's some things that have impacted you and you feel like it would be valuable or worth it to go back and refresh as you journey through what it looks like and what it means to practice forgiveness. It's a I can say that, you know, there have been a lot of people who um, in a really good way have been wrecked through this series and through these practice groups as we've been navigating what it looks like to practice the way of Jesus and engaging in both forgiving others, but then also in pursuit of or seeking forgiveness or reconciliation. And so thank you for journeying with us. Thank you for those who've been praying for um, us as a community as we've been navigating this. We're so thankful and uh, the journey isn't over. It's just beginning. Um, We're just cracking into, we're just breaking through the surface of what this looks like. And so this is going to be a continuation or a journey that needs to continue on as we um, continue to mature and grow and who it is that Jesus has called us to be. And so thanks. Thank you for participating and being a part of that. And my name is Nate. Uh, if this is your first time connecting, you are welcome. So glad you were able to listen. Um, please jump over to our website, restorationaz.org. And um, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus.